become a change maker in the health industry today. Enroll for the Functional Nutrition course and become an internationally recognized expert on the vitalistic philosophy of food and nutrition with our friends at the Functional Nutritional Academy. Register now and receive a six-week bonus accreditation course providing you with the business tools to start and grow your own business and get a whopping $1,000 discount. So don't delay. Start your healthcare career today at thewellnesscouch.com forward slash functional. That's thewellnesscouch.com forward slash functional. This edition of 100 Not Out is proudly brought to you by our 2018 longevity experience to the Greek island of Ikaria. Known as the island where people forget to die, Ikarians experience 80% less dementia, 50% less cancer, and 20% less heart disease, and live longer than anyone else on the planet. To find out why this is and experience Ikaria for yourself, come join myself, Damien Christoph, and an intimate group of like-minded souls for an all-inclusive 9-night, 10-day life-changing immersion. Watch the highlights video, get all of your info, and apply on over at 100notout.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Hello and welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. My name is Marcus Pierce, and it gives me great pleasure, as always, to bring onto 100 Not Out the fabulous co-founder of The Wellness Couch and The Wellness Guys. He is the lovable larrikin of wellness. He is Dr. Damien Christoph. Hello, legend. Hello, legend. Thanks for that intro. That's very nice. Oh, we've missed you. You've been in Sydney and uh, you've hardly seen anyone. You've seen a bit of LT, hardly seen your family. I've hardly spoken to you. I've spoken to you a couple of times. It's really quite beautiful to be... We haven't recorded in a few weeks, so it's really nice to get some quality time with you, DK. It's nice, isn't it? It's really nice. It's like a bit of a walk on the beach. It's just been really... It's been a busy time, but it's nice just to just chill out, have a nice little walk on the beach. Oh, uh, walk on the beach. That's a great line. It's a great line. And I realise that I, I spent quite a few nights at your house in the first half of the year, and I haven't been to Melbourne in four to six weeks, so I've missed a bit of uh, DK in the flesh action. So I um, might have to just <laughs> skip on down and uh, see yeah, if I can make an down. excuse to get into the Christoph residence. Jump on your private jet. Hang yeah. on down here. be great. Yeah, just get on Good the helipad on the roof of PSHQ and scoot on down. Mm, absolutely. I don't know if a helicopter would fit on the top of the roof H, uh, roof of uh, PSHQ. I'm not sure if it would, but it uh, might. I haven't seen your house yet. Yeah, I'm not sure how big your by. castle is. I could definitely land it in Lawrence, the front I've yard. Of, uh, it's Lawrence Tam's castle. Yeah, how'd you go at LT's great mansion, the 14-bedroom residence? He could fit a... A three eighty on the top of his roof. Doesn't he have an elephant runway. sleeping in a couple of the rooms? It's so big that house. <laughs> it's enormous. It's enormous. It's a great oh. house, actually. I love LT's house. Lifestyles of the rich and famous. Oh, we got to we got to uh, get LT on that show, don't we? I don't know if that's him. He's not rich and famous. He's famous. He's uh, you know, like the you know yeah. pimp your house up wellness couch um, style. Just drop into LT's house, <laughs> drop into the Christoph residence. Wouldn't that be great? That'd be a really good idea, actually. Nah. 
think it's kind of nice just having your space, you know. Like it's good to be able to, you know, share stuff. And, yeah, I don't uh, do privacy very well, as we all know. It's not my strong no, point. No, you don't. You're all a bit open. Privacy and security, definitely not my strong point. Don't come robbing my house, anyone, but it's definitely not my strong point. Yeah. <laughs> I will say I've had a wallet stolen out of my car all because I totally forgot to lock my car. Um, has happened. Mm. Has happened. Mm. But anyway, no one knows where I live, do they, Damo? No. So, um, been a bit of... Been, <laughs> you still don't know how to find me. Been a bit of news happening in the uh, 100 Not Out world lately, and that is, Damo, that someone who... I think you and I have only discussed in off-air conversations, but uh, we've had uh, a few good discussions. And um, it is the world's oldest man who is no longer the world's oldest man because he's no longer alive. But up until his death, Yisrael Crystal was the world's oldest man. And on one hundred not out, we want to veil Yisrael Crystal because he is um, he is a true one hundred not outer in all sense of the word, a uh, one hundred and thirteen not outer before his passing. But um, Israel Crystal Damo was the oldest survivor of the Holocaust up until up until his death. Yeah, which is incredible, isn't it? Because we always spoke about Jeannie Kellerman, didn't we? Yeah, we spoke about you talking about um, Alice Heard Sommer or Eddie Jaku, or are you mixing them all together? No, I was in the the oldest the oldest lady ever to live smoked ninety seven years. Oh, Jean Calmont. Yeah, sorry. Yes, Jean Calmont. <laughs> what did you How call her? I've always friend? pronounced it Jeannie Calamant. That's, that's the way. That's my Aussie. That's my Aussie pronunciation. Jean Calmont. Well, well, in. We used to say that she was. The, you used to say that yeah. she was the oldest human. No, she's the oldest human being ever to live on record 122 years, 164 days. So no one on, on, on record. Has ever lived longer than Jean Calmont from Arles, except for except um, for this new guy. No, 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 because she, no, because because now Jean Calmont's the oldest human being, so right. 122 years. Alice Hertz yeah. Sommer, oldest female survivor of the Holocaust up until her oh, death, right. age 110, and then Yisrael right. uh, Crystal. Oldest male yes. survivor of the Holocaust, age oh, 113. There so there's a few okay. awards in the longevity, 100 not out longevity Thanks. awards. Um, the longevity games. The longevity yeah. games has a few different um, uh, um, fields that you can enter. Um, and Israel Crystal, one month shy of his 114th birthday, was um, wow. has uh, has left us. I might just give our listeners a bit of a background into Israel's life because. You know, we've spoken about this, you and I, off air, but it's somewhat inspiring. He survived uh, both world wars. Um, the reason why he survived the Holocaust, and I, I really, you know, think this is just so important. You can't shy away from this enough. The reason why he survived the Holocaust was because he was in love with making lollies. He was an expert confectioner. The man made lollies like no one else, and it was this skill um, that brought him value to the Nazis because he fed them. He fed them lollies. He kept them, um, he kept them, I suppose, you know, kept their sweet toots um, humming along. Um, and it, this was what kept him alive. His whole family died in the Holocaust. He lost his wife. Um, he lost a child uh, to the Holocaust. Um, he, both of his parents died before he was 11. So he had a very, what you would call, a stressful life. Um, and then he only he remarried after he um, after the liberation. Um, I think he was 
81 pounds at Liberation, uh, 37 kilos um, when he That's crazy. got out um, of Auschwitz, um, 37 kilos. He was the only survivor of his family. Um, and, you know, there's so many elements that, that, that we could talk about. He never had his bar mitzvah. He only, no, sorry, he didn't have his bar mitzvah at his normal time at the age of 13. I think he had it at the age of 112 or 113. Um, <laughs> Did he? You know, just so many, so many elements to his life that you could say, "Oh, there's no way he should have been around." But um, you know, he moved to Israel. Israel moved to Israel. He, he was Polish. Uh, moved to Israel in 1950. Um, you know, started a new confectionery business. Um, you know, loved to work. You know, did what he loved. Loved what he did. But um, just a really good example of of what we speak about on this podcast. Um, added to the fact that. He had an incredibly challenging life, um, particularly in the first half of his life. Yeah, it's amazing. And I often wonder, you know, will the generations of today, given the life's been pretty easy, I mean, really, at the end of the day, with this hasn't been oh, famine, hasn't been, hasn't been depression, there hasn't been war, there hasn't been concentration camps, there hasn't been starvation, there's been none of that. You know, money's been plentiful, we, we get heating all the time, there's lights all the time. Yeah, are we raising a generation that may not survive, you know, may not have longevity? Is it the toughness of life that's actually helped these people live a long time? Um, and, you know, should we make things tougher for people? We And the answer to that will only come in time, but it's an interesting thing to ponder. Well, it's a great discussion point. You always ask the wise questions. I just love your questions. So <laughs> I'll ask you now then, as a parent of a teenager, because you're right, we don't say thank you for the electricity. We whinge about the price of electricity. Um, we don't say thanks for the food. We whinge about the price of food type of thing. Um, but you've got a teenager. Um, do you Do you consciously... You know, um, either do things or do, do you want things to be more difficult? Do you want Jackson to be challenged in certain areas of his life? Do you make sure that he's challenged in certain areas of his life so that he can build that resilience and, and gain um, certain perspective? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, you definitely want challenge. But, the, I mean, the hardest thing as a parent, I think, is um, knowing what an outcome could be or should be um, and then trying to provide that outcome so that they don't have to learn the tough way. You know, you kind of think, well, what if I do it for them? And then they, they see that it can be done and then they go, okay, well, I know that can be done. I'll go and do the next thing. But, you know, do you then forsake the opportunity to teach them a lesson on how they can actually get something done rather than actually just them knowing that it can be done? It's right, it's so a really – it's a – Different tra- it's a trade-off. It's a trade-off of kind of exposure to the solution as opposed to working towards the solution themselves. Well, I think there's some certain, as you say, there's some there's some certain distinguishing lines here. Like, for example, at the age that Jackson is at, for example, you know, uh, you took him to Ikaria last year for our longevity experience. Um, but I know, or was it Mauritius? I'm getting confused with. One of the trips that Jackson went on, you partially funded but he had to fund half of it um yeah that was that was mauritius yeah that was mauritius so yeah. so you set up a challenge right which essentially he had to earn the right to it yeah exactly so there's certain so, times that you you set the challenge right yeah and you know it's, i think it's almost about finding the motivations it was interesting this morning I, I woke up and thought, oh, I might do some stretches this morning. So I went and did some stretches, popped the ABC on just so I could watch the morning the morning show thing. And there was a, a psychologist on there who's just written a book uh, called Prince Bullfed. 
and it's all it's all about uh, you know are we ra- we're raising teenage boys to be these princes that ex- have higher levels of expectation and sense of entitlement. Um, but and they're just bullheads, like they're not actually learning the art of communication. <laughs> That's a great et cetera, name et for a book. That is a great name for a book. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was interesting to see, you know, where the blame's being pointed at. You know, how, where's that coming from? Is it the parents? Is it the internet? Is it a combination of both? Is it, you know, the fact that everything's easy to get these days? You know, we used to save up. I remember saving up for my first Commodore sixty four by um, doing paper rounds and also doing. Um, trolley boy runs and all that sort of stuff, you know. So I was, you know, very much more involved what in did you looking and saving. Oh, pamphlets! It was kind uh-huh. of like I used to deliver the Danny Dong Journal, um, and I'd also uh, deliver Target catalogs and Kmart catalogs, Pizza Hut stuff, all that sort of thing. I delivered the PM edition of the Herald Sun in my teenage years. Do you remember the PM edition of the Herald Sun? I do well, that was the <laughs> that was the Herald, wasn't it? Oh, uh, before now this was this was after. I'm not that old actually. That it was it was after the Herald and the Sun had merged, and my they dad, merged. my dad, who's in the news agency game, got me a job as a paper boy delivering the PM edition. So we both had delivery jobs in our teenage years. DK. Oh, there's so much synergy. Even when we dig deeper, there's more and more synergy between <laughs> you and me. So, you know, so it is, there's definitely that conversation at the moment around uh, do our teenage children have things too easy and is that setting them up for challenge? And so in around longevity, those people that appear to have lived a long time didn't have the easiest life. You know, I, you know, I look at Dexter Kruger, he's on the farm still. Or actually, I don't know if he's still on the farm, but... No, not on the farm anymore. He's got a... He just got off the tractor when we were, when we interviewed him, and um, you know, so that's that's relatively tough. I, I suspect that back a hundred years ago, being on the farm wasn't that easy. Well, do you uh, remember Stamatis Moriatis? Do you remember that Stamatis Moriatis? Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, so absolutely. there's the video of Stamatis, and he's up on the olive tree, and the BBC are interviewing him, and they're like, and the BBC journalist says, Stamatis, like, what? You know, don't you get sick of you know? Picking the olives off the tree, like, isn't it hard? And aren't you too old to be doing this? And Stamata says, exactly. like, very straight. And he says, stiff, like, I have to do it. Like, they don't just come off the tree. Like, it has to be done. Um, and that generation almost, they, they've got a, they, they know that it has to be done. But so many of the, the things that we talk about in the 100 Not Out lifestyle, particularly movement and, and doing what you love, and socialising, they don't have to be done anymore. Like, you don't have to move. You can drive your car or get public transport. You don't have to socialise. You can be on social media. You don't have to do a job that you love. You can just do a job that pays the bills. We've got all of these luxury items now, which which used to be essential. Now, I mean, they're, they're still essential for a great long life, but they're not essential to actually survive. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. I agree. So how do you put the challenge on then? How do you choose your challenges? I mean, I look at Jackson and I'm like, the boy's driven, he works, he's playing sport, he's studying, he has a very full life as a young teenager, um, but he's not doing it because someone says he must do it. Like, he seems to be quite self-led. He did the, um, what's that, uh, it's not the 40-hour famine, but, you know, living below the line, is it? Um, yeah, live below, yeah, live below the line, yep. You know, that's not that. that's not you saying, well, I don't think it's you saying, Jackson, you must do this. Like, um, is that self-led? You know what I think it is, is that there's an inbuilt desire for people to help people. And it's the ability to, and, you know, potentially to also help themselves. But it's providing the opportunities to be able to do that. 
you know, so a unique example of that and probably the most traumatic example of helping other people and also taking care of yourself you know, in terms of survival would be the Holocaust. You know, you think about that, helping people get through and helping people to save your life. Um, there's an inborn um, desire for humanity and for humans to respect humanity and to respect other humans. That's just kind of what it is. I, I don't think we're all built to be terrible people. So, you know, given that there's opportunities to do that, it's about seeing that and then being encouraged to take on those opportunities. So I think maybe it takes a, a, a certain type of person to acknowledge that that's an opportunity that they would like to participate in. And so Jackson, by any stretch of imagination, is special enough to think that, hey, I'd like to do Live Below the Line because if it was if it was for everybody, then everybody in the school would have done it. But there was only about 10 people in the whole school that actually did do it. Wow. Um, yeah, right. And, you know, out of a very privileged school, so there could have been a lot more people. I would have found it very difficult. Like, I don't think in my 16-year-old, you know, severe view of the world, I don't think I would have been rushing to do it. Yeah. Not, not I mean, in my I, consciousness I when probably, I was 16. I had no idea. Yeah, I didn't have worldview. I'm sure I didn't have worldview. Um Maybe the biggest fear I had probably back then was, you know, could there be a nuclear war again because we had the Cold War at the time with Russia and, and the US. And so I was kind of like, oh, my gosh, what's what's going to happen with the world? That was my, the extent of my worldview. I had the Gulf um, War. You had the, you had the Civil War, the Russian Civil War. I had the Gulf War, Saddam Hussein. Did you? That was the war of my time. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it, because I said we haven't had wars. But we, it, we actually haven't had world wars, so where there's been poverty, you know, and broad spread, you know, destruction across every single civilization. But, yeah, so I don't know. Like, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know whether or not we do anything special for Jack or he's just a special unit um, in that he decides that he wants to, to do those sorts of things to help humanity and, and help humans out. Maybe that's just part of his blessing. I'm not too sure. But um, it's a really nice, endearing thing that he's got is a, is a compassion to – um, to help other people and and I suspect that that will go a long way to maintaining his purpose and hoping that he maintains engagement in his community and in and around his family and so on and so forth and you know which hopefully if we're right could actually help him with longevity oh I, well this is the thing this is where I feel very strongly about this is that observing exer- observing young men like Jackson and observing 113 year olds like Israel crystal here's my mm. view on it people like Israel crystal Alice heard summer. Jean Calmon and people and people today, many of them had challenges put on them that they did not choose, but the ones that survived and survived well are the ones that developed an empowering view around their life experience. So Israel Crystal, very empowered man, saw the great in things, was very liked, didn't carry the Holocaust around heavily in his heart, even though he could have, and no one would have um, argued with him in doing so. He lost children, he lost his first wife, and all the rest of it. Um, Today, in order to do it, because we don't have the same type of challenges put on us, my view is that we must choose challenges consciously that we want to work through. When we create the challenges for us that we want in our life, that we actually like, when we create the problems that we want to solve, um, you look at what you do with Vita, you look at what you do with Forage, like there's problems with the world that you want to solve. So whether it's healthy breakfast, whether it's healthy spines and nervous systems, healthy bodies, healthy lifestyles, all the rest of it, we choose the problems that we want to solve. I believe that if we don't 
consciously choose the problems or the challenges that we want to work through, then the world will give us challenges to work through anyway and, and often they're ones that we don't necessarily want. So I think that's just the only real shift is that in those older days when there was much more volatility, particularly say with world wars, um, then it's something that people kind of didn't necessarily have any influence on. They just had to deal with it you know, during and after. But um, these days we kind of have to actively go out and seek what challenges do we want to work through? We seek the causes that we want to donate towards or um, make major um, influence on. You know, like what Jackson did, um, he, he actively went and did it rather than having it done to him, which is kind of what would have happened to people when there was a Holocaust or something else like that challenge at living below the line. One day they're above the line, the next day they're below the line because their whole house has been vacated, you know, um, through no choice of their own. So I think... The, the difference is that we must go out and choose our challenges today. Not that we all have to go out and live below the line, but whether it's choosing the career that we love, um, the movement that we love, the friends that we love, whatever it is, we have to go and do it much more actively than we did in the past. Yeah, I like that. I like that. It's uh, it's probably a bit more conscious, isn't it? It's Because there are so many different things that are, are happening every single day. We can easily fill our day. I was just reflecting on it yesterday, you know, or over the last three days I've been in Sydney. It's been like a five o'clock in the morning, 5.30 start, pretty much every single morning, getting home at 11, 11.30 at night, oh. um, having had, you know, meetings. And then so it's just that constant thing. And so just little chats with my family, Amber and Jack, just on the phone. And so there's that absence of engagement. Uh, but I'm engaged in other things. Um, and then, you know, that kind of race around really that busyness cycle, which I really now don't find enjoyable when I reflect on it. Uh, but um, to then come back into our environment at a really, really fast pace. And I was, I was discussing this with somebody this morning. You know, the, the idea of flying everywhere is in itself a metaphor um, in around the busyness of your life. You know, I've had to fly to Sydney and spend time up there, but I was reflecting that in the last eight weeks I've, I've taken 10 flights. And it's kind of like, <laughs> wow, far out. It's, it's heaps of flights just yeah. to, to ship around everywhere and, and go to different places. It's, it's a, very it's hard a to feel settled time. and grounded, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But just taking that time to do some grounding, um, it, it just calms the body down. So, but the point that I'm making here is that if you get really busy, it's quite easy to forget about the other things that maintain your purpose. You, you find yourself caught up in the busyness of stuff um, as opposed to you know, doing what's meaningful and, and, and the stuff that you really want to do. So I caught up with a great friend last night, Maria, Dr. Maria Zushman. Oh, good um, on you. Yeah, we caught up in Sydney before I jumped on the on a plane and, and came back. And so it was really nice to squeeze that little bit of, uh, you know, friendship time in. But again, that's a conscious decision because I could have quite easily just gone straight to the airport, continued to work and then jumped on the plane. But, you know, the ability to catch up with friends is that ability to take a pause, smell the roses, have a nice meal, have a discussion and, you know, make just, I suppose, make plans to catch up again in the future. There's a great podcast to listen to um, coming home. Um, in the car, um, and it's it's a, a podcast about um, a girl or two girls who actually started the company Rent the Runway, and uh, and you know one of the things that she said is it's really important that once you've had a meeting to make the next appointment for the next meeting, otherwise things just don't get done. And it was a really great reminder of how important it is to maintain those connections and to schedule into your time and into your day. 
uh, opportunities to catch up with people or to follow on from what you left off with. Otherwise, things do just get lost oh, that, because we are so busy. That is so good. You are just on a winner. I'm loving your wisdom. Cool, huh? We could turn that into great episodes. I mean, you are good at this, particularly with friendships. I know you're also good at it in the garden because you don't just water it once. You water it regularly. That's why your herb garden is just like the bee's knees. You are very, very good at this, and uh, your wisdom, as always, is appreciated. Great, man. Ah, thanks, MP. Thank you, mate. It's been another wonderful episode, folks. Look forward to having your company again on the next episode of 100 Not Out. To find out more about the great man that is Damien Christoph, go to damienchristoph.com. Myself, go to marcuspierce.com.au. We would love your feedback. You can go to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash 100 Not Out. Also, check out the 2018 Longevity Experience in Ikaria at 100notout.com. And please, if you would feel obliged to share this podcast with the world, pop on into the iTunes store, give this podcast a five-star rating so we can share 100 Not Out with the entire globe. Until next week, look after yourself and continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. We hope you enjoyed this edition of 100 Not Out. Now, if you love this episode and you love longevity, then you are invited to join Damien and I at our 2018 Longevity Experience on the Greek island of Ikaria. This is a nine-night, ten-day, all-inclusive immersion based at Thayer's Inn and Restaurant, TripAdvisor's number one place to be in Ikaria. Together, we'll be living the Icarian lifestyle, eating, moving, dancing, socializing, learning, and a whole lot more. This is a lifestyle that has 80% less dementia, 50% less cancer, 20% less heart disease, and the highest count of centenarians per capita in the world. They don't call it the island where people forget to die for nothing. To find out more and to apply, go to www.100notout.com. Applications are processed on a first-in-first-served basis, so even if you aren't 100% sure, your best bet is to fill out the application form. It is completely free to apply and only takes two minutes. We would love to have you there, so head over to 100notout.com for all the info. Until next week, thanks again for your support and may the rest of your life be the best of your life. This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.